Good morning. My name is Rob. I'm a pastor here. It is good to see you this morning. I enjoy reading biographies. Um, came across a quote in a biography years ago. It was about a guy named William Carey. William Carey was a pastor. He was a missionary to India. He actually helped start a university there in India in 1818. It's the longest continuous running um, university in that country. The quote I remember uh, William Carey reading it from him uh, those many years ago was this. He said, I am not afraid of failure. I'm afraid at succeeding at things that don't matter. I'm not afraid of failure. I am afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. We're in this sermon series where we're looking at what we value as a church. We're looking at our mission statement, what matters to us. And you might think uh, here at Capitol Press Fairfax, as, as, as a little upstart church, right? We launched some four years ago, some 80 of us over there to Nova. Some of you were there. Um, we survived a pandemic. You might think that my fear, our fear is that this startup would somehow fail, that this, uh, this startup would somehow fold. But I'm with Carrie on this. I'm afraid that somehow we would succeed at things that don't matter, that somehow we'd be busy with activities, maybe that we'd even grow big in ways that are short-lived that miss the mark, that fail to advance the kingdom of God. I want us to succeed at things that matter. We gotta be honest, we live in a culture that is obsessed with success. High school students, you live in cultures that are obsessed with, with getting good grades and getting right scores on SATs, ACTs, and those things are important, but how do you find true success? What really matters? It's no different for us adults. How do we make sure we don't give our lives and our resources to things that don't matter? And said positively, how do we make sure that we do succeed at things that do matter? I believe these verses in Matthew point us in the right direction. So I'm going to pray for us and then we will look at the text. Pray with me. Mighty and merciful Father, we pray you would speak to us this morning through your word and by your spirit. Help us to see Jesus. Quiet our hearts and minds. Save us from distraction that we might know what success in your kingdom, life in your kingdom, obedience in your kingdom looks like. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. It's there on the front of your worship guide, right? We exist to glorify and enjoy God by making disciples who make a difference through grace-filled worship, community, and mission. That, that's how we're defining success as a church. And last week we looked at we exist to glorify and enjoy God. Matt preached 1 Corinthians 10. Paul reminds us whether we eat or whether we drink or whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. And you see here, we exist to enjoy or glorify and enjoy God. How? by making disciples that make a difference. So this week we're looking at making disciples. Next week we're gonna look at that make a difference. And while we're looking at making disciples, one, it's always just, we like to say this, our mission statement, again, 
wholly unoriginal and uncreative, just like good Presbyterians, all right? So um, the language of glorify and enjoy from all kinds of scriptural passages like 1 Corinthians 10 last week, like the Westminster Shorter Catechism question number one, we're borrowing that language for glorify and enjoy, and we're borrowing the language of make disciples here from Matthew 28. And I want to just give us um, an operating definition of making disciples. Um, I want you to think of a disciple, kids, you got this, all right? Disciples are someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And making disciples is this, helping others follow Jesus, all right? I'm stealing that definition from this book called Discipling with the convenient subtitle, How to Help Others Follow Jesus, all right? It's by a guy named Mark Dever. He is a pastor down at Capitol Hill Baptist down in D.C. A great church, a great pastor. Hey, check out the size of this book, all right? You can do it. I would commend it to you. Mark Dever, Discipling. Helping others to follow Jesus is what we're talking about. And remember, we just made our way through the book of Mark. And we saw in the book of Mark that Jesus came and he he didn't uh, come claiming simply to be a moral example to follow. He didn't come claiming simply to be a, a wise sage. No, he came claiming and proving to be the promised rescuer and king. And in this passage, we see kingdom power. We see the kingdom plan and we see a kingdom presence. So we're going to walk through these three verses, and we're going to look at a kingdom power, a kingdom plan, and a kingdom presence. We see here the king's marching orders. Let's start with the kingdom power. Context a little bit here. We're in Matthew 28. We're at the end of Matthew's gospel. So in the previous 28 chapters, chapter 1 through 28, we have seen this king Um, live and serve and love and give his life and die and resurrect, proving that he is the king. And so we come here to Matthew 28. He has risen from the dead and we're told the 11 disciples show up. 11. Judas is not there, but Peter is there. All right, the 11 disciples show up and it says they showed up, they see the risen Jesus, they worship him. Some of them are still doubting, like they're still struggling to believe that this is all true, that Jesus is risen and he's here again. So there's some doubting disciples there. These 11 disciples, each and every one of them that had abandoned him, betrayed his trust, left him, And so that's the scene here in Matthew 28 is what does Jesus say to his 11 disciples that have shown back up again? Um, I think often when we think of the Great Commission, a a title given to this passage, um, often when we think of the Great Commission, we think of the word go, which is helpful, but that's not the first word. When Jesus sees these disciples, he doesn't start with a command. He doesn't start with telling them like, hey, this is what you should do. He doesn't start with a rebuke, which is very gracious of him. He's not like, seriously, guys? What does he start with? He starts with reminding these frightened disciples of his power, of who he is and what he can do. 
He starts with orienting their hearts and minds around his kingdom power. Before he tells them to do anything, he reassures them of who he is. And that, that's going to change how they go. That's going to change the hope they have when they go and how they feel about going, all right? Before he tells them what to do, he lets them know something about himself, and that's important, right? Let, for instance, um, my man, Matt Litson, leading liturgy, new father. Let's say I ask Matt, hey, we got this newcomer's lunch after church. I forgot I need some chips and salsa. Matt, could you go run and buy some chips and salsa for the lunch? Matt's gonna have very little questions for me, right? He's just gonna go buy the chips and salsa. It's going to cost him 10 bucks. He knows I'm good for it. Even if I'm not good for it, he knows that like 10 bucks isn't going to sink him. All right. Now consider this, Matt, Kelsey, they rent a cool little spot down in Georgetown. All right. And so let's imagine I say, Hey, Matt, yeah, I'm looking to make some moves here real estate wise. Uh, there's this house 28th street down in Georgetown. Been looking at it a few blocks back from M street. I would like for you to go buy that house on my behalf. Like go, go purchase that house for me, right? Matt's gonna have a few more questions, right? Like Matt's gonna wanna know some more about who I am and about my capacity to be able to make such a transaction, right? Now, full disclosure, Matt knows me enough to know that there's no way that that's going to happen. Because one, if he doesn't already know, he's going to be like, hey, Rob, yeah, that house, it's $6.2 million. All right. My man, Matt knows I'm not good for that. All right. But let's all imagine. Okay. We're going to go into imaginary land right now. Let's all imagine I could pull out my phone and show him my Fidelity app and show him this imaginary portfolio that just has hundreds of millions of dollars in it. Right. And then I show, hey, here's this uh, power of attorney. I've drawn it up. You can act on my behalf. And here's my accountant's phone number. He can move the funds. That way, Matt actually knows, okay, I've got all I need to go buy this house. Jesus is about to give his disciples an audacious command. He's about to call them to go and turn the world upside down. Go to every and all nations. But before he does that, he says, make no mistake, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. You go knowing that. Why is that important? Um, it's important on a number of levels. One, it's been promised. We're studying Daniel in our adult Christian education class. I would commend that you go to that class. It'll be encouraging. But even all the way back in Daniel 7, the prophet said, hey, the son of man is going to come and his kingdom, his dominion will be over all peoples and all nations. Daniel said in the face of the Babylonian empire, to God's people, don't worry about the Babylonian empire. There is a king who rules over that. And Jesus is saying to these disciples, standing in the midst of uh, the Roman empire at the height of Pax Romana, he's saying, don't, don't worry about the Roman empire. Authority is with me. I reign and rule over all things. And he says to you and me in Fairfax, in 2023. You don't need to worry about whatever party is in power. You don't need to worry about the agenda of the right or the left or whatever lifestyle group you are concerned about because I still rule and reign over all things. So success for us is living and worshiping in light of God's rule and reign over all things. 
Success for us is not having a, a, a posture of fear or cynicism. We can acknowledge the brokenness out there and the enemies of the kingdom of God out there, but our posture is of hope and fearlessness and freedom and obedience. Because Christ has told us all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. That's the kingdom power. And that changes how we go. That changes how we make disciples. So kingdom power, kingdom plan. All right, if that's the king's power over all things, here is the king's plan. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Let's, let's key in on three things. All nations, baptizing, and teaching. All nations, baptizing, and teaching. All nations. Okay, again, from Genesis um, to, to Jonah to Jesus, it's always been about all nations. It's always been about all nations. God's glory and renown, his grace, the mercy and salvation of Jesus being known among all nations nations. So success, if we want to be successful at things that matter as a church, we want to be about all nations. We want to be engaging with all nations, praying for all nations, going to all nations. That's what success means for Capital Press Fairfax. It's great to hear what the DeLongs are up to because the nations have come to George Mason. So let's pray for them and let's partner for them and put your name down on their sign-up sheet back there. The nations are at George Mason. Think about just being in this auditorium and the nations you can walk to. All right, let's start with food because I always start with food. Uh, you can walk to restaurants, right? You can go to a restaurant that serves food from Azerbaijan and Russia and Turkey. There's one restaurant there. Two doors down from that restaurant, there's a restaurant that serves dishes from Yemen. All right. You can walk to an apartment complex and there are Afghan refugees living there recently resettled. You can walk to the nations from this auditorium. I'm really thankful for the nations that are in this auditorium, right? I'm thankful that even in our small gathering here, the nations are here. We have friends from the Ukraine and from Germany and from Indonesia and from Korea and from England and from North Carolina. I am excited that the nations are here. And I pray that that would ever be so because Christ sends us. Um, success is going to all nations. Baptizing. Baptizing speaks of this sacrament that's, that's partly the initiation, right, into the community of God, into the covenant community of God's People. Jesus here speaks of the Trinity, so this is a helpful uh, point where we can place to the teaching on the Trinity, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and he speaks of God existing in community. And when we come to faith in Christ, we're baptized into union with God and union with his people. So success for us means calling people into community. Context, um, the, the context of discipleship is community. Let me say it plainly this way. Um, you can't do discipleship. You can't help others follow Jesus outside of community. Um, you can't be a healthy disciple outside of community where disciples are made. 
if we're a community that gets big but doesn't make disciples, we have succeeded at things that don't matter. If we are a community that gets a building but doesn't make disciples, then we have succeeded at things that don't matter. If growing and getting a building helps us make disciples, then praise God and yes. But we are a community that's meant to make disciples. So where are you connecting to community? Are you connecting to community groups? I know the Coverstones are here and they're looking for members in their community groups. Talk to them after the service. So all nations, baptizing, welcoming people into the community to be made into disciples and then teaching. It says the kingdom plan is to teach those among the nations to observe all that I have commanded you and see that there's something assumed here, something implied and assumed. And that's that the disciples have actually understood and internalized and know what Jesus has commanded and know how to observe it. Here's what I mean by that. Um, to make disciples, you have to be a disciple, right? Um, to lead someone somewhere, you have to have been there yourself. To teach someone something, you have to know it for yourself. So that the call to make disciples implicitly contains the call to be a disciple, to be growing, to be understanding, to be knowing what it means to observe all that Jesus has commanded you. So you can't do those things if you're not that, but if you are that, you can make disciples. All right, if, if God has carried you and walked you through chronic illness, then you can help someone follow Jesus as they go through that. If you've walked through the brokenness and mess of divorce and seen God's faithfulness in the midst of that forgiveness and grace and restoration, you can help others walk through that. If you're a high school student and you're following Jesus and you've seen what it means to do that and all of the confusion and all of the chaos, you can help younger high school students, middle school students do that. That's what it means to, to make disciples. Friends, I take my calling as a pastor very seriously. My calling to preach the word and to administer the sacraments. That's a part of discipleship, week in and week out. That does form us. But please hear this. Every Christian should be able to say the same thing Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. We read it last week. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Every Christian should be able to say that and understand that that's what discipleship is. Follow me as I follow Christ. Success in our church is when we are all in someone's life intentionally saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Maybe it's your child's life that you are in and you're doing that. Maybe it's your parents' life that you're in and you're doing that. Maybe it's your teenage friend's life. Maybe it's your retired friend's life. Maybe it's as leading a community group or working in the nursery or student ministries. But we should all be pouring out and calling people to follow us as we follow Jesus. And notice he didn't say, just teach them to know what Jesus said. He said, teach them to observe, teach them to obey. Here's a snapshot of that in my life, okay? I'm in college, I'm a freshman, I had just become a Christian a year earlier. Um, at this point in my Christian walk, as a Christian, I know even just a year in, evangelism is something we should do. 
Sharing our faith is something that Christians do. I knew that. What I didn't know is how in the world to do that. Like I had zero clue. Like how do you really do that? All right, so I'm a freshman. Uh, I'm at a college campus. There's a campus ministry staff guy that has start. He starts spending time with me intentionally to help me follow Jesus. He's making a disciple. And so he starts spending time with me and he's like, he helps me think about my life intentionally. Rob, where do you live? I live on a dorm, all right? Um, What do the guys on your hall like to do? They like sports, okay. Well, maybe we could start a flag football team, get to know some of those guys, and over time, uh, maybe invite them to an investigative Bible study. And I'm like, Blair, I don't like football, you know? And he's like, Rob, it's not really about football. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Um, and I remember a trip that we made to the sporting goods store in Greensboro, North Carolina, to this day, to buy the football that we were going to use for our practice for our little flag football team. And here's why I remember that trip to the sporting goods store to get the football. Because we walked into that store, and my buddy Blair was wearing a Sigma Chi fraternity shirt. All right, and the guy that was helping us find the football in the store was like, hey, yeah, I was in Sigma Chi too. And for the first time ever... I saw a Christian, my friend Blair, share his story, share how he had come to know who Jesus is and how that had changed him, and to share the gospel in a way that was non-threatening. I had never seen it before, but in doing that, he taught me to observe what Jesus had commanded, and I understood that. And for like over two decades, I have been following Blair as he's been following Christ, right? Probably few people in the world have had more of an impact on me spiritually than the owner of a waterproofing company in Charlotte, North Carolina, all right? And we need to see that, that whether you're in the military or whether you're a middle school student, whether you're changing diapers of newborns or diapers of senior citizens, wherever you are in life, You can make disciples. You can help someone follow Jesus. All nations baptizing, teaching. So success for us is when we are helping others follow Jesus wherever we are in life. Kingdom power, kingdom plan. Let's finish with kingdom presence. Here's the thing. Making disciples in this messy world is really overwhelming and exhausting. Making disciples in the midst of a pandemic, uh, making disciples in the midst of cultural protest, uh, making disciples in a culture that often seems intent on celebrating things that are contrary to God's design That is exhausting and overwhelming, right? Um, And let's not be confused. The same was for the, the, the 11 in the first century, right? That context and culture was no more welcoming. Pervasive sexual brokenness, intense political oppression. All right, so they weren't stepping out into a welcoming committee saying, please disciple us. And in the midst of this overwhelming and daunting task of discipling our kids and our church and the lost, I'm thankful that the first word of the Great Commission and the last word of the Great Commission is not go. That it starts with all kingdom power is in Jesus and that it ends with Jesus saying, guess what? He says, behold, 
We don't talk like that anymore. We don't, we don't say, behold. But you know what we do say? I say it to my sons. We say it to our friends. We say it to our loved ones. We say, hey, hey, look. Look at me. I am with you always. I'm not sending you to go do this alone. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His kingdom presence is our hope as we go to make disciples. It's our only hope. It's my only hope. It's your only hope. It's Capital Press, Fairfax, only hope. If Jesus doesn't go with us, we should shut it down today. I'll go fly fishing and eat chicken and waffles and spend my Sundays that way. But because he's with us, I'm going to give my every breath, breath to making disciples. You could be here this morning and you've stepped into our family time and you're not sure whether or not you really believe in Jesus. You wouldn't consider yourself a follower. I think it is helpful to know this. Everyone is a disciple. Everyone is following someone or something. Everyone is putting their trust or hope into someone or something. Everyone is learning from someone or something. It might be social media, popular culture, what, your just own internal thoughts of how life should be. Everyone is a disciple of someone. We follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because he says things like, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We follow Jesus because he makes promises like this to say, I will be with you always. Your sin cannot separate you from me. Your brokenness cannot separate you from me. In fact, I came to heal that and forgive that. That's why I came. Death cannot separate you from me because I conquered it. I will be with you always. That's our hope as we go and make disciples. Success for us, Capital Press Fairfax, is living in light of God's kingdom power, Christ's kingdom power, and living out his kingdom plan. And, and we're going to unpack this more and more as we talk about worship and community and mission in the weeks to come. But success for us is leaving, living out that kingdom plan to make disciples that make a difference. And as we do it, we trust in his presence with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you save us from being successful at things that don't really matter? Save us from building our own kingdom, Rob's own kingdom, Matt's own kingdom. Help us to trust in your kingdom power that Christ rules and reigns over all things as hard as that is to believe it sometimes. Help us to, to give our resources, our time, our hours, our dollars to making disciples that make a difference. Help us to use our kitchen tables to do that. Help us to use playgrounds and Fairfax to do that. And Father, may we know your presence in the midst of confusion, in the midst of just exhaustion trying to do that. May your joy be our strength and our hope. We thank you that you don't leave us alone in this task. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.